Trigger warning, this episode contains reference and discussion of sexual assault and rape. Who you calling crazy? Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Cunley. So today's going to be a unique episode in our unique podcast <laughs> because I don't have a guest that I'm interviewing. I just wanted to kind of honor something in my own story, I guess, if you'll if you'll let me, if you'll allow me the space. <laughs> so after wanting it for a long time, I finally went and got uh, the tattoo that I've been like creating in my mind for several years a couple weekends ago. And it's on my right forearm, so my dominant hand, which is intentional. And it says, still I rise. And it goes into a sun. And the still I rise, as you know, is from Dr. Maya Angelou's poem. And I want to get into why that is special to me in particular, but also just the meaning behind it. Because it's something that I think all of us can connect with on some level. And so when people ask me now, like, what is it? You know, my, my quick answer is it's about my own trauma rising and that of my clients. And I really, really believe that. And it actually like brings tears to my eyes, just really thinking about like, this is a permanent gesture it's a statement. There was a lot of thought that went into this, uh, that, it, that reminds me of my rising in resiliency. But again, that I get to sit with others in theirs and there is nothing more humbling and fulfilling than that to be with others in their trauma, in their brokenness, in their questioning, in their confusion, in their fear and pain and anxiety and depression and disorder and to be with them in their rising, <laughs> in their healing, in their connecting of the dots and their aha moments that take months and years or the ones that happen instantaneously. It is all the ultimate part of the human experience in my mind, uh, that, <laughs> that I get to sit with somebody in that journey and see the full human experience is just, just one of the greatest gifts of my life. So I have written several articles over the past several years, uh, primarily brought on with, at the height of the Me Too movement, you know, with some level of account of my own sexual trauma. And it's, you know, it's not something I go into great detail about. Um, I have worked through a lot of the shame and pain for a lot of years. So I wouldn't say that it's about that. It's more that we tend as humans to just, we, we compare, right? We compare and we create labels and hierarchies out of things, even our own pain and trauma. And so I hear this all the time in session with clients, you know, where people want to minimize or discount or invalidate their own experience because it's you know, quote unquote, not as bad as somebody else and whatever. Right. And, and we've all done that. And I do that. (laughs) 
where I always want to kind of come back on, you know, come back to my privilege and my, you know, that my wounds were not as, as bad or as deep because of dot, 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 dot. Right. Um, however, there isn't a hierarchy and I do know this rationally. And I try to work with people to understand this too, that one's reality is just that it's your reality and your experience and pain is pain. Suffering is suffering. Trauma is trauma. And so I guess the point of me not necessarily needing to go into detail in my story is some of that, some protection of that, where it's just, I don't need anyone else to necessarily understand the nuances. It took me a long time to call what happened rape. And I don't need external validation of that anymore. Uh, there was a time where I needed that. I needed, well, I avoided it. There was one stage of that, avoiding calling it what it was. Um, and then there was a time where it's, I, I feel like I yearned for someone to confirm that's what it was, that somehow made it feel a little better. But now it's, I know, I know what it was. Uh, I know what happened to me as a little girl. And I know what happened to me my freshman year of college. And I have folded it in to be a part of my story. And yet it is not the whole story. It's not the title of my book, if you will. It's, um, it's a few chapters. I'm going to tell you it's a few chapters. And I think one of the other things, the main things I wanted to talk about today was how this kind of thing can kind of come at you out of nowhere, you know, no matter how much work and healing you do around it. And it helps to understand the trauma, you know, in and of itself, that there's what we call big T traumas and little T traumas. And the big T traumas, you know, are those that everyone will say would agree on as sort of the more obvious traumas that someone might experience. Little T traumas are events that can register individually for someone as a trauma that just exceeds someone's capacity to cope and causes a disruption in emotional functioning. And so that may look different from one person to the next because you don't have to undergo an overtly distressing event to be affected. There are accumulations of like less pronounced events that can still be traumatic, But trauma at its core is a deeply disturbing event that infringes upon an individual's sense of control and may reduce their capacity to integrate the situation or circumstances into their current reality. I pulled that from psychology today, that exact definition. And as, you know, as a therapist, I think sometimes it's people forget that we're human too. And it's either that, right? Either people think, we should be able to show up in a certain way because we know all the things and should be these like, you know, fully actualized humans and whatever. It's either that or, you know, the stereotype that all therapists are crazy (laughs) using that word. And so I think the latter, what we really mean is a lot of therapists have experienced a lot of the deep, hard stuff and maybe even sat on the other side, you know, as a client and experience the value. And then that's why we became therapists. Yeah, that's true. 
And I often say, you want a therapist that's doing the work that has done the work and is doing the work. I still have my own therapist. And I think that's a good thing as we're all constantly growing, but understanding that this shift that can happen for people or not, right. Is still, it's still a part of my world as a therapist as well. So particularly in light of the me too movement, when there was really a, a, there were a lot more people coming forward, a lot more people putting their name to the movement and owning their story. Uh, but there's so much more to it. I think to me, it's the, it's the in-between moments where something can catch you off guard, where intellectually you may not have even realized that something was triggering, but your body remembers and you, the next thing you know, it feels like all of the air was sucked out of the room or that your body is just holding on so incredibly tight that if you moved, something would break. That if you lingered too long in a particular emotion, the memories might start to take on a sense of real-time reality. That there's some security and protection and kind of remaining frozen it's that the, the exhale might open the floodgates, <laughs> which is not a bad thing, right? But it's, it's so terrifying when it's a trauma response. It might be that there's also the commentary that comes out of nowhere, you know, from somebody else that, that reminds us of the world we live in <laughs> or reminds us of the context of something around our trauma. And one thing that I want to make sure that we all remember and that I'm constantly reminding myself too, is that the trauma and the grief that follows a trauma again is so real and unique. Therefore we cannot judge one another's and understanding that the brain is truly changed by trauma. And I don't feel the need to go into all of the, the detail on that because it's just, it's something that, I, I do have to remind myself and my clients that it sometimes allows us to then recognize the realness behind our experiences and that I want, because I have lived my rising, I want others to know that yours is coming too. And that underneath the despair or the grief or the fear the hopelessness, the sadness, the anger, all of the things that there is hope that there are people that can sit with you in your story, walk with you in your journey to reintegration into healing and to calming that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response into giving to shining light on the shame that isn't yours to carry. And you can get to a point where visceral reactions are not the norm. <laughs> and that the core beliefs you might have created about yourself and your safety and your worthiness can be unlearned. And you can relearn much more adaptive, true beliefs 
that can help you navigate this world. And so when I look at this quote, still I rise, hell yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. And yes, you do. And it only made sense for me to get this uh, from Maya Angelou, who a lot of you probably know this because I tell anyone that will listen, but uh, I went to Wake Forest University and Dr. Angelo was my professor my junior year. And it is exactly what you think it was <laughs> incredible and surreal. And like that woman could have stood up there and read the phone book or the DSM five. And we were all just captivated. And one of the first things she ever said to us when walking in the classroom um, was that quote by Torrance that I put on my social media a lot, that I am human, therefore nothing human can be alien to me. And damn if that doesn't capture the, the good fight that we should have in this world for our fellow humans, but also, again, understanding that there isn't a hierarchy when it comes to the reality of emotions for people and individuals. And I had the, just the great fortune, which doesn't even feel like it captures it enough of going to Maya Angelou's house twice. So that we had dinner with her as a class one time. And then I was able to go back with another student one time and just sit in her dining room and talk with her. And I don't remember all of the content and the context of what we discussed, uh, but I do remember the sound of her voice, the cadence of her voice, the pace of her voice, and the way that she made me feel. (laughs) It's just like she said, people won't remember what you said or did, but they will remember how you made them feel. And a therapist's greatest hope should be that we create a space that makes allows our clients to feel hopeful and safe and secure and connected. The rising is coming. I really believe that for myself and for all of us. So thanks for just allowing me this 15 minutes to ramble. I know none of this is scripted. I just wanted to speak from the heart. I don't even know what, you know, if it was cohesive and that's okay. That's okay. Because this kind of thing, there isn't a handbook per se. Um, but I hope that you will reach out for support in your big T and your little T traumas and everything in between because you're not alone. So who are you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy. 